for being here. You guys look wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, thank you, Chris. I feel like you're still right behind me. You are. Great. If you have a Bible, uh, I'd love for you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I'll give you just a second to uh, get there. What you're going to find this morning is that um, where we have been at is a lot of rich uh, discussion on Jesus Christ and our view on him. Paul kind of uh, took a little different turn uh, last week when, when we talked through kind of uh, what that looks like for Paul and I, honestly what that looks like for us. And so he's going to continue to dive into that and really it's going to make a big, big deal because it's going to matter a lot for us how we view Jesus because the rest of this is going to determine that. It's going to be a cause and an effect. So the cause is, is what Christ has done, and then the effect of that is how we're going to live that out. And you're going to see that immensely uh, in this passage this morning. So Colossians chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 6, and we're going to go through verse 15. Move this music out of my way here. Verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding and thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him, there's a lot of this in him, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, parents don't get nervous, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our transgressions or trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them and him. Could you pray over me over the reading of God's word? God, thank you so much that you have spoken to us and by your word you have given us life and I thank you that through your word you will sanctify us this morning in Jesus name amen so Paul here is making this cause and effect that this is the cause the cross of Christ what he has done in us and he's revealing our purpose to now knowing theology without application is useless and meaningless. 
you get this uh, from this verse, this theme statement that reflects that. As you have received Christ, what's the effect? You walk in him. So the cause, Jesus Christ, the effect, walk in him. And so what I think Paul is driving in here is that if you have a robust theology without application, then you're just living a useless, meaningless life. Orthodoxy without orthopraxy is useless. That's, that's a deep word right there. I had to look that up, but you can do that later. In other words, a belief that does not have an impact on your life is useless. And so one of my fears for myself, I ain't talking to y'all, I'm talking to me this morning, is that I can grow in a robust theology. I can grow deep and deep into his word without ever applying it. And what happens is, is that I will become spiritually obese. And, and, and someone would need to call out the Amos of the screaming prophets and need to call me on my toes and tell me I'm nothing but a fat cow. Y'all know that's what Amos did. Y'all think we got some, some, some bad name calling uh, in our politics today. Y'all ain't met my boy Amos. Called out some jokers and said, y'all a bunch of fat cows. That's how you do it. Don't worry, I ain't going to call you on no fat cow. But if you're spiritually obese and you are not applying anything that you know, you is a fat cow. Okay. And spiritual obesity is going to lead to some spiritual heart disease. Okay. And this is, I think, what Paul is almost getting after this morning in this text. That there is a cause, and the cause is Christ receiving him if you're not walking in him, then you are not walking in the faith. You have deceived yourself. Okay. Therefore, he says, he's been talking about Jesus, the exalted and holy Jesus over everything, just so as you have received him. Now, this word in context, receiving, isn't that they came down into an altar and said a prayer and said that I receive you, Jesus, into my heart. That's not what he's talking about. Okay. Receiving what he means here the implications of receiving is that you have been taught Jesus. I've been teaching you about Jesus. And it wasn't Paul who was teaching him. It was uh, Epaphras who had been teaching them about Jesus. And so Paul is saying, listen, I know y'all's pastor's been telling y'all about Jesus. And just as you have been taught, received Jesus, now you've got to the effect, walk in Jesus. You keep on walking out in your faith. This isn't just this one-time thing. It is an effect that lasts until you stop breathing. Then right. he says, so what, look what happened. So you have received him, now walk in him, and you have been rooted. Now I'm going to make some of my grammar teachers happy. Rooted here is what we call, and I gotta stick my notes because I don't really know this, I had to look it up, is past tense or perfect passive. All my English teachers we have in the house should be very proud of me because I almost failed high school. And this is an accomplishment. So this is something that's, that has already occurred, in other words, yeah. if you were like me and you're like, what? Okay. You've been rooted with something that has already happened. 
And who did that? Jesus did that. This isn't something that you had to go through and take a 12-step program and how to be rooted. Jesus rooted you. You have been rooted. This is something that took place the moment that he wooed you and called you into himself. At that moment, he rooted you. Now, that's something that took place in the past, but let's look at what's happening now and will happen until, again, you stop breathing. I ain't trying to wish that you stop breathing this morning. I'll just keep on mentioning that. Look at what he says. So you have been rooted, and now look what's happening today and tomorrow. Been built up and established. So that is the present active of what's taking place right now. This is what's happening now. You being built up implies that believers, you and I as believers, you still under construction. This is what we call sanctification. And that's really good news. You are being built up. Who is building you up? Mm. That's, that's good news now, and it's going to keep getting good, gooder and gooder. Because look at the third characteristic, he says. You are strengthened in the faith. Now, that could mean that the Colossians here are strengthened by their faith or respect to their faith by the faith around them. So not only is Christ doing this within you, but Christ is doing this within others for you. So the strength of the other people's faith is also strengthening your faith, which is why it is so critical for you to be a part of the body of Christ, i.e. the church. Because their faith can impact your faith. Christ is doing this work. The only choice you get to make is how you respond. And look how you should respond right here. I'm so glad you were wondering, well, how should I respond, preacher? With thanksgiving. Yeah. Amen. Are you thankful this morning? Yeah. Well, you should be, because look what Jesus is doing in you. Okay. He is building you up. He has laid the foundation for you. He has rooted you. That rooted reminds me of what John 15 says, that when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you are in me, you will bear much fruit. That's sanctification. That is a result of the sanctification, I should say. Now, Pastor Paul throws a little warning in here. Because there's some creepers up in the church trying to distort the reality of the gospel. And they're doing it in a cunning way. I don't think Paul is perhaps maybe an expert on what they're doing, but he knows what they're doing. And, and he's going to tell you, you better be an expert on Jesus. Look what he says. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. There's one thing. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to and not according to Christ. So three things Paul goes after here. Philosophy. Philosophy and empty to see, really. You could lump that up in one. Human tradition and then the elemental spirit of the world. Look at philosophy. Now, I don't think Paul is saying that philosophy in itself is bad. 
philosophy that oppresses Jesus is bad. He ain't telling you, let's just all be stupid. And let's just base our faith off of a feeling and an experience. He ain't telling you, let's just stop learning about Christ. He's telling you, the philosophies of this world are going to lead you on a path of destruction. And that's what these goons here are trying to do in the church, trying to lead them into a, a philosophy that's going to lead them far away from the true Christ. That's why Paul is like, listen, you got to know Jesus. Get a high view of Jesus. That's why it's critical, and I believe this is what Paul is pressing here. He's not telling you to let's all just put down the book and let's just base our Christianity on an experience in what we feel. Well, let's base our Christianity on experience in what you feel. And let's see how long that's going to last you. Because when Jesus doesn't move in the way you think he should move, well, what you going to do? You're going to blame him for everything. Well, I just wasn't feeling it. Like, Jesus is not a drug. You don't, you, oh, he better than a drug. And some of y'all know that. Some of y'all know that. To be real, he is not a drug that gives you this boost. Because, you know, sometimes that's what some of them drugs be doing. Y'all ain't watched Dave Chappelle. Y'all know that one, that's unholy, but there's this one. Never mind, I shouldn't go there. That's a bad analogy. Y'all shouldn't watch that. But anyway, you know, that some of that drug, it, it makes you want to just, I mean, you just run for days without sleep. But what happens when you crash? It leaves you empty. What, what do you do? You, you're going to want more of that. And so we think Christianity and our faith is that, where we just got to get this feeling and this experience. And when it doesn't happen, you feel like you crash and you just got to go chase after another experience. That's why when people tell me, like, what I felt like, and then they attach the name of Jesus to it, I, I just, I, I typically just go, well, what does the word of God say? Because if your standard is based off an experience, I don't know why I'm going on this side hustle right here. Y'all just forgive me. Let me keep going. And so, so, so he goes, philosophy, not a bad thing, but if it leads you outside of Christ, terrible thing leads to destruction. Human traditions and elementary or, or elemental spirits, other, I guess you can say elementary also, elemental spirits of the world. So he talks to them about this new, th this thread of these new teachers coming up, and they sound clever. And they may teach things that sound good, but their words are empty of truth and true power of Christ. And so they're tempting them to bind them with Jewish traditions like the circumcision parents don't get nervous if your children don't know what that means children don't be googling that either but it was weird I thank God for the cross of Christ men men you better be thanking Jesus for the cross of Christ ain't got to go through that weird kind of stuff no more I thought I'd have a Jericho march right there but nobody wanted to give me a little help right there that's okay so they, they sound clever, and so they're, they're trying to impose these traditions of the past and include them in the faith as if you have to have this to be counted righteous. 
Traditions are not bad in of themselves, but when traditions become the ultimate thing, you've just created an idol. When was this written? In the first century? <laughs> it's 2020. We still have not moved far from what this is talking about. Not all traditions are created equal, right? And we live in a time where that's actually being revealed to us. I think that's why it's good for us as a church. We, you know, we switch things around every now and then because I want y'all getting married to a tradition. Now, I ain't talking about traditions like, like some of the traditions we do, like some of the liturgy we do. I ain't, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a tradition of the color and placement of chairs a tradition and if you sit in my seat I'll sit on you <laughs> y'all laughing but that actually happened to my wife one time we were visiting somewhere <laughs> junk is real y'all better get saved <laughs> this is why you have people say well I just wish things would go back to the way they were 30 or 40 or 50 years ago so who says who your perspective because that's probably not the perspective of everybody else you see how easy it is that traditions can become idols within a church? They can become idols within a culture? Y'all went quiet on that one right there now. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Y'all calm down. And, and traditions can become idols within our own heart. And if refuge, let me speak to us on a micro level, if refuge is going to continue to engage the culture around us. We cannot let any tradition become an idol Amen. in this church. Y'all, we about to move buildings. It, somebody got real excited over there. You gasped all the air out of the room. Just don't blow it out, Corona. All right. We're about to move, and this place is positioned in the neighborhood. We're on the backside looks nice. At least they got a, a facade that looks good. I don't know what the hearts look like. And then another side of the street is the other side of the street. And if we... I wasn't going to say that, but y'all heard it straight from Willie's mouth. And if we keep traditions as an idol... We will never reach any side of the track. All of these things, philosophies of men, human traditions, the elemental spirits of the world, philosophers, they were saying one thing in their day, just like our culture is telling us today. I know what, the, I know what Jesus teaches. That's what they would have said. And today we would say, I know what the Bible says, but that's just archaic. What does culture, the philosophy of culture today say? Boo, you just do you. It's how you feel. It's the philosophy of our age. And it's demonic and damning as ever. Just go after what you want to go after is what it says. And you'll find some sense of satisfaction and fulfillment but all you find 
is emptiness. This is why the next verse is so critical. Because if you want true fullness, look at the remedy. Verse 9, 4, in, in who? In Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So if you want to be full, you want fulfillment, you want satisfaction in life, you go after Jesus. You go after Jesus. Don't be led astray by the fools and the narrative and the philosophies of our day today that are empty of truth and empty of power. We find fullness and satisfaction in Jesus. And so what I think Paul is trying to draw us And I think one of the consistent themes that you're going to find in Colossians here is the idea of us as Christians being in Christ. It's repetitive. We are in Christ. This is a high view of Jesus, and this is the cause, Jesus, the effects of what happens when you have a high view of Jesus, as though our identity is not found in things, our identity is not in what we drive. Our identity is not what, in what we wear, in how much money we make, in the amount of, or what type of house we have, but our identity is found in Christ. Our identity is not found in external things. It's found internally. And you get this theme in Colossians 1.14 when he says that in him, that's Christ, we have redemption. Verse 16 in chapter 1, it says, in him all things were created. Verse 19, in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. In verse 22, we are reconciled in his body and flesh. In chapter 2, verse 3, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In verse 7 of chapter 2, we've been changed, charged to walk in him. We're rooted and built up in him. Verse 9, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In verse 11, we have been filled in him. In verse 11, we are circumcised in him. Men, thank the Lord, amen. In verse 12, we are raised up in him. In verse 15, we triumphing over them in him. We flip on over to chapter three if you want me to continue. Verse 20, it says, we are pleasing to the Lord. In chapter four, verse 17, you see that we are both the fellow servants of the Lord and that the ministry we have has been received in him him our identity must be grounded in him in christ so this is why some of us when we try to live in ourselves things just become idols in our life it's constant motion here completely repetitive and i love Paul's repetition because it's just this great grand reminder for us to be rooted in him and where I go outside of him I am an idolater Uh, I find my value I find my worth in other things when I go outside of in him amen Ain't no, like, charismatic movement that broke out over there, or what? It's just a baby. Verse 11, look at that. This inward change he has caused to occur. You're going you're gonna to check this out. I was also 
is something symbolized externally. Look at this in verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Let me, let me make this, this point. You did not get Christ. Let me say it like this. You did not become a Christian. Amen. You did not become a Christian based off of what you did. Your heart, your eyes, your mind was opened by the Spirit of God and, and just simply by His providence. You, you don't, you just ain't that good. I hate to break it to you. So what is the point of Him saying that this, we have been circumcised in our heart? It's because God is the one who calls, woos, to himself he's the one that opened up our eyes for the glory of his name Amen. we have been circumcised in heart and this is no longer an external identification of our righteousness I mean we can go back to Old Testament but we won't now Christ has done something internally in us and now I'm identified by who Christ is when he has circumcised my heart man and this is this is really good so we are identified by Jesus and now he grants us this power in verse 12 having been buried with him in baptism in which you are also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses I love that all of your trespasses Paul is presenting the gospel to this church. Did they know the gospel? Sure they did. Isn't it a great reminder that I'm not the only one who sounds like a broken record in presenting to you every week after week after week the gospel of Jesus? I'm just trying to be like Paul, y'all. Because it's so quick for us to forget in the mundane of life. So we want to feast on other things. But Paul here, I believe, giving us this grand reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you always need the gospel. You don't graduate from it. It's something that you need every single day. And look at the power of the gospel of Jesus. Look what he says. You dead in your sins. Look at the effect. God made you alive with him. Now you aren't dying without Christ. You aren't in the process of being dead 
What did he say? He gave you some grand news without Christ. You are dead. That's why the gospel is so powerful because he doesn't take someone who's in the ICU on a respirator. He takes someone who is dead, okay. who's been in the grave for a very long time. You, without Christ, you are dead. You are a zombie. You walking around like you got life, but internally, you are a corpse. Yet, what Christ can do for you, and only Christ can do for you, in your deadness, makes you alive. And that's a powerful truth of the gospel. Look what else is a powerful truth of the gospel. I love this. The written code that was against us. Look at the effect. He canceled it. Who did? Jesus canceled it. If you were to document every thought, every motive, every action, every word that you have said that has been an offense to God, your receipt would be a long receipt. Okay? Something else almost came out. But the receipt going to be long, y'all. You got a documentation of every thought you've done had, every word you've done said, and every action you have done. Look what Jesus did for you. All of that he canceled. And here's some incredible good news. All means all, y'all. Don't know the Greek word for all. There you go, Greek philosopher. All, every last one of them. Your past, your present, and I know this may jar some of us, but your future, all of them have been canceled. I love this because this is the image that Paul is giving. Because in this time, when the accuser was there to make a list of all of the accusations, he would put them into an envelope and seal them with his signet, with his signature. Here's what Jesus done did. Jesus done took that signature and then smeared that name out and canceled not just your wrong record, but the accuser of the one who's been accusing you. He canceled that joker out too. Here, here's, what the, and here's what he did. I like this right here because this is even better. Having stripped the powers and the authorities... He made a public spectacle of them. Now, here's what a conquering king would do also in this time. When a conquering king would conquer something, he'd take all those enemies. He'd strip them jokers butt naked. He would attach them by a rope, and he would parade them in the streets so that the winning side can see and make a spectacle of the losers. Here's what Jesus just did for you. Jesus just took the enemy. He done stripped that joker naked and he done attached him to a line and he is marching them in front of you so that you can look at your past not with shame but with victory. That's what the conquering king did for you. You look at your past and you don't feel shame anymore because Jesus has stripped them down naked and has put them in a spectacle of shame. That's what the gospel did for us. 
And if you don't get excited about the gospel, you have not been rooted in Christ. And if this does not move our hearts in praise and thanksgiving and joy, you have not received the gospel of Christ. He did this for you, not you. Jesus took that enemy of sin and death and the stupid devil, stripped him butt naked and has openly shamed him of what he has done to you. Having received Jesus, we walk in this freedom that Christ has. Every sin, every guilt, all of our shame. You in Christ, you walk in the freedom that he has given you. You walk in the joy of knowing that Christ put those mugs on an open spectacle so that I don't have to wallow in my shame anymore. That's what the power of the gospel does for us. May we never grow cold towards what Christ has done for us. May we never make idols of our traditions and make idols of things that we think are making us righteous but our hearts continuously worship Christ, the one who has saved, the one who has redeemed, the one who is the hero in my story. God, I thank you for your freedom.